0: I am Joel McLeod. I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome to the 905er. As you can imagine, it's difficult to cover the various municipal races happening around the 905 region. We do our best to focus on what issues matter the most to voters and make choices based on that. Some areas obviously get our attention more than others. However, when the issue of racism rears its ugly head in a municipal race, that definitely gets our undivided attention. By now, I'm hoping you know what we are referring to, but just in case, let me refresh your memory. Last week, a bus shelter ad for Hamilton 14 candidate Kojo Damptey's campaign was defaced. Someone plastered over Mr. Damptey's face a poster with the words White Lives Matter and a link to a social media platform advocating white supremacist literature. This is in keeping with a similar trend of events happening in Brantford, Ontario, just down the highway from Hamilton. Currently, the Hamilton police are treating this as a hate crime investigation. The sad fact is Hamilton is no stranger to white supremacists and racists seeking to make their views the mainstream in the city. In fact, fighting against racism is one of the reasons why our guest today is running for public office. We invited onto the podcast, Kojo Damte to hear from him firsthand about this despicable attack on his campaign and how it has affected his efforts to win the seat of Hamilton Ward 14. For those of you who are unaware of Mr. Damte, Kojo was born in Ghana, West Africa, and moved to Canada, settling in Hamilton when he was four, 17. Upon graduating from high school, he attended McMaster University, and at university he pursued the university to recognize Black History Month and worked with faculty to develop an African and African Diaspora minor. Since then, he has gone on to work in his community as the executive director of the Hamilton Centre for Civic Inclusion. And during the COVID-19 pandemic, he helped to create the mountain mutual aid network, providing food and hygiene products to people in need. He is also an accomplished musician with his debut album, winning pop album of the year at the Hamilton music awards in 2015, as well, he's worked with the city of Hamilton to help develop the local music scene, creating the Renaissance music festival to support hip hop, R and B and soul musicians in the city. He has also helped to tutor youth affected by homelessness mental health, and poverty issues with the Hamilton-Western-Wentworth Catholic District School Board. Kojo Damte joins us today. Well, we'd like to thank Kojo uh, Damte for uh, taking the time from his uh, his election campaign uh, to come on the podcast. We know uh, during, in the middle of a campaign, every minute counts, every footstep matters, and every door knocked is a, is a potential vote. So we very much appreciate you uh, taking your time to to join us today to talk about uh, what happened uh, uh Last week, uh, I'm going to say. Uh, so, Mr. Deputy, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, to join us today.
1: No problem. Thanks for the invitation.
0: Um, this this isn't a a, a pleasant conversation to have, but why? Maybe set the the, the tone for our, our listeners. Maybe explain to us what you were doing, what what you were thinking when you got the word that your your bus shelter ad was vandalized by. Uh, Uh, white supremacist literature
1: yeah so it was it was Monday I was I was uh, with some family and friends so I think my campaign team couldn't uh, get a hold of me however uh, once the bus the bus ad went up I think it went up in the middle of September we, our campaign team, knew that something would happen. So every day we have somebody drive by just to make sure everything everything is okay. There's nothing wrong with it. So one of our campaign members was driving by and saw that there was uh, a, a white, and uh, black and white poster on it. So she decided to get closer to it. When she got there, she saw, obviously, the message that was on there and um yeah, I took some pictures, sent it to uh, all of us. I didn't get it because I was, <laughs> I was uh, with family and friends. And um, and she decided to take it down. And then when I then got the messages, the messages, everyone was like, do you know what happened to the bastard? I'm like, I don't know what happened. So let me go take a look. So I went to take a look. I uh, saw the pictures. And then there was there was some leftover uh, pieces. So my partner and I uh, decided to clean clean it off, and uh, and then I made a video um, about the incident.
0: Um, now I just, just so our listeners are completely caught up. Uh, the CBC is reporting that uh, Hamilton Police is treating this as a potential hate crime, and are investigating it as such, uh, and that similar. Uh, like-minded posters have been appearing around Hamilton, uh, and, and even as far as uh, as Bradford, apparently, um, it, it, with the similar messaging. So, uh, I, I guess you know, in, in your in your experience, in your in your capabilities uh, as the former uh, uh, executive director of uh, the Hamilton Center for uh, Civic Inclusion, it, is it, do you think that this is a targeted campaign against? you for being a black man running for city council that that you're being specifically targeted by hate groups or white supremacist groups uh to to get you to drop out or, or 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 to defeat you
1: yes but it's also a message to other racialized candidates right I think about Ahona Mehdi, who's running uh, as a public trustee for Wards 8 and 14, Sabrina Dahab, uh, public trustee in Ward 2, uh, and other racialized candidates, uh, uh, candidate uh, Narendra Nan in Ward uh, 3, right? Like, there's there's a, a, a strategic plan for folks uh, uh, who are putting up these posters to... Uh, engage in, in intimidation tactics to not get racialized candidates to uh to run and particularly racialized candidates that speak out against white supremacy and that challenge some of the 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 anti-woke rhetoric that we are we are seeing uh not only here in Hamilton but across the country so I think uh it's not just about Yes, me being a, a black uh, man, but it's also um, uh, towards racialized candidates, indigenous folks, uh, trans trans folks, queer folks,
2: right? We, we've had, I mean, just in the last couple of weeks, we've just had you know two really depressing stories. I mean, this is the second one. The first really depressing story was was what's going on in Oakville with the. Uh, the um, basically kind of blockading of, of uh, Oakfield Trafalgar School by by um, so-called, I mean, I don't even want to call them the so-called freedom people, whatever. I mean, again, it's all, like you say, it's part of this sort of so-called anti-woke agenda, which seems to me to be anti-human agenda, but anyway, whatever. Um, you know, this, this seems to be on the rise um, across the country, across the Western world, um, what I mean is there anything you can kind of point to that this triggered triggered this? I mean, and I'm not claiming for a minute that everything was was sweetness and light before. We know it wasn't, but but the kind of sheer boldness with which people are being vile uh, to, to people such as yourself, who are just you know. Running for public office, for goodness' sake, you know, who take, have the courage to stand up and say, you'd like to uh, contribute to your city. Um, what on earth is behind all this? Well, let me.
1: <laughs> that's a that's a loaded question right there. Okay. Okay. But let me. What what I would what I would say is that, you know, the the history of this country has. We can start with the Indian Act, right? We can start with uh, um, internment camps, Chinese internment camps, Japanese internment camps, right? So, for a long time, residential schools, right? For a long time, these are things that the general public do not know about. But then people from those communities know about these, uh, grotesque acts of systemic racism, right? We can talk about Africville here in Hamilton, the KKK used to march down James street, right? There's also a story about, um, uh, uh, KKK members traveling from Hamilton to Oakville because, There was a a white woman that was getting married to an indigenous black man. And the chief of police at the time led the charge of Hamilton residents to go into Oakville. So I think people do not know this history, but people that have been affected, black community members, indigenous community members, um, other racialized members, know about these histories. So when we are talking about it now, there seems to be pushback from white folks to say that, hey, um, why are you talking about these things? Why are these things important, right? I don't see any color. But if you didn't see any color, why was it that the last residential school was closed in 1997? If you didn't see any color, why is it that only indigenous children were put in unmarked graves. If you didn't see any color, why is it that our police force had to apologize because they couldn't keep folks from the 2 LGBTQIA plus community safe in 2019 at Pride, right? So that is what we are talking about. And the white supremacists, by the way, we have a white supremacist running as mayor. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we let all of these things happen, but then we convince ourselves that, oh, there's no racism. We're a tolerant society. Canada is multicultural. Right. Uh, We are not like the states, but we have our own issues. So I think those are the things that are now being brought to bear. And now you have racialized candidates running. You have racialized women running. And let's be clear, the history of Canada, in fact, only white men who own property used to run for office, right? Absolutely. right. Yeah. <laughs> so now when you see racialized folks running, indigenous folks running, uh, 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 Muslim folks running, queer folks running, the, 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 the backlash is what we're seeing. And that is the 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 sentiments that we are seeing here in Hamilton and across Ontario and in BC. There are elections happening in BC as well. So these are the things that we are seeing. So the the idea that racism doesn't exist is totally preposterous.
0: You you touched upon a a lot there, and I, you, I I'm glad you brought up the fact that there is a, an avowed white supremacist and neo-Nazi running for for mayor and, and Hamilton, um, because it's a good segue into into my the next point is that I've always found that in Canada our racism is hidden behind that mask of politeness, right? It's a topic we don't want to bring up in polite conversation because it, you know, might offend somebody. So rather than address the injustice of racism or, or prejudice that does exist in a systematic way, um, you know, we, we just we politely don't acknowledge it and you know i was was thinking of the fact that cable 14 on their mayoral debate allowed this uh uh person to speak as if they were they were uh, an equal say right it's that politeness of of well you know they're just it's the political process and you say well you know no this this person literally does not speak for all does not want to speak for all of hamiltonians um and I, I, so, I, I mean, this is a long preamble, and uh, my my thoughts are to you. Like, how does this motivate you in your campaign? Uh, uh, you know, like what 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 was it? That kind of you know that that is it that that politeness that we need to challenge that that we need to start lifting the veil of Canadian society and show the, the realities of this is like the systemic natures of, of the injustices that exist in our, our, our society. And, you know is this what is this part of your campaign that you want to f- that you want to fuel it into uh to bring to to Hamilton
1: yeah i think so but it's it's a larger context though so i agree with you cable 14 definitely erred in allowing uh that so-called individual to to say what they had to say and by the way that that so-called person lives in ward 14 Right, so oh, when okay. you, yes, so when you allow somebody two minutes to say what they have to say, even if you are like, Oh, it's just a, a minority of folks, political space allows people to organize, and that's the thing that's been happening. Maxine Bernier and all of these folks are using the litigant political platform they have to talk about these things so that now it becomes mainstream. That is their point, right? So for, for, for us, we have to start saying, no, we shouldn't allow this gentleman to talk. If he, if he wants to take it to the Supreme Court, let him do that, right? But when we allow him to talk, now they have space. Now they rally their people. They use their dog whistles. And then we see what happens at a bus shelter, right and the other thing that canadians need to uh uh, pay attention to is most people engage in anti-black racism and white supremacy in coded ways i'll give you a specific example so uh scott radley uh uh commentator with the spec wrote an article and in the article he had a conversation with the former mayor of uh, Hamilton, Larry Diani. And in the article, it said, the barbarians are at the gate. These candidates that are running now are barbarians at the gate. So let's, let's decipher this. You have racialized candidates running. You have women running, both which are white and racialized and you are calling them barbarians. So, to me, we let that slide. And I had to literally call the the editor, the spec, to say, look, you cannot allow this to go on, right? So we let that slide. It's in a paper. People are reading about this. Then this incident happens and the former mayor, Larry Deliani, asked, and I'm, I'm using these specific examples to show how we get to this point, right? He then asked, what's the source of this poster? Insinuating that maybe I or somebody from my campaign put this thing up. So we let that slide. And then now we are all asking ourselves, how did it come to this? Because these are the little incidents of anti-black racism and white supremacy, because this black man can... What does he know about running for office? Meanwhile, everybody that runs for office is not born a politician.
2: Well, and I I just... Here's another thing. So, to any white supremacist listening... um, A, go to hell. Uh, B, (laughs) we probably wouldn't have interviewed Kojo Damte. uh, Otherwise, we we can't interview every candidate in every race across the 905 region. But you made this a story. And I'm looking at Kojo Damte's website, and it's like, my God, you've got a hell of a resume. Um, and, And I know the kind of different resumes that candidates for office have. Um, when they run for municipalities, a lot of people don't have much of a resume and very often it doesn't go much beyond I was born here or I lived here. And isn't that a strange thing how often people say I was born here in, in, in campaign literature? Uh, you weren't, but you've lived here for a hell of a long time. You've lived here a lot longer than I have, uh, both in this country and in this city. Given that they were trying to shut you down, um, let's give you an opportunity to say exactly what your resume is uh, and what makes you what makes you qualified uh you know a, a good candidate for uh, a counselor in hamilton
1: <laughs> well before 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 i i i do that i also want i also want your listeners to understand that sometimes to anti-black uh racism and white supremacy can look in the most subtle ways and i'll give another example and i'll try and tie it into why i think i'm qualified So there's another candidate running in in Ward 14. And I'll name names now because at this point, (laughs) what it is. Don Ross. In his platform, he talks about restructuring the public board of health. Hamilton's board of health is made up of all councillors and the mayor. What he forgot to mention was that it was black doctors white doctors and community organizations like the Hamilton Center for Civic Inclusion, the Hamilton Anti-Racist Resource Center, the Disability Justice Network of Ontario and indigenous community members that came together to say, hey, we just went through a pandemic and our board of health is made up of counselors and the mayor. It is time to restructure it to include healthcare aspects and community experts like they do in Toronto and in Ottawa. Now, why do I mention that? He forgot to reference that, but he puts it in his platform. And to me, that says, so we did all the work. We did all the advocating. Sometimes there were certain councillors that even totally dismissed us. And I'm going to tell the story. Councillor Ferguson, when... Doctors and nurses were delegating. He said, and I quote, these people want to take over our board of health. Think about that for a second. When we are here trying to innovate our public health system, that has crumbled down. That's what Councillor Ferguson is thinking about. And then Don Ross, a candidate who didn't show up when we're talking about these issues, now puts it in his platform and he's running on it. And that is what I call anti-black racism. And that is why we have people like From and these posters going around. We have a, a, a public trustees, Becky Buck. We had four trustees that were found to be racist, but they are still running. And this is the issue that we are talking about. So why am I qualified? Because we've done the work. We've shown up for community. We've 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 uh, 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 faced threatening emails. We faced despicable acts of racism, emails, voicemails. Some some, some of some uh, uh, candidates have been told to to die, to choke to death. But we are still here. Because we believe in the dignity of everyone. We want everyone to have a place in this city. We want a just world. We want a community that is full of compassion, that's full of love, that's full of cooperation. Those are the things that we are fighting for. We are not fighting for exclusion. We are fighting for inclusion so that we can all thrive here in Hamilton.
0: I, I, you, you touched upon a lot there. and I, I, There's a I don't necessarily want to look at the past. I kind of, I, I'd like to maybe start looking towards the future because one of the, the previous things we had on a uh, previous episode was Roland and I were talking about act, the, the number of activists that are, are seemingly running in this year's uh, election. Uh, yourself would be included in in that in that list. I'm I'm curious to, to see if that change does happen. If we because we're we're talking activists uh, not just in terms of uh, anti racism activism but LGBTQ plus. Uh, activism, environmental activism, uh, uh, accessibility activism. Where how, how do you envision working with those individuals and, and where, where do you see the the potential for intersectionality to really impact public policy at the city of Hamilton? What what, what, what how, how how do you envision that that potential council working?
1: So, you know, one of the things that I say is we are community leaders. We are community organizers, right? Like to, to organize a community meeting, I'll give you one example. So there's a document called the Just Recovery Hamilton document. That was 11 non-for-profits that we had to work together to come up with nine different priorities and connect them together to submit to the city. So you're working with housing groups, you're working with disability activist groups, you're working with uh, feminist uh, groups, YWCA, Sasha Hamilton. We work with everyone to come up with a a document that speaks to uh, how do we create a just world, a just Hamilton. So that's an example of some of the things that we're supposed to do. When we talk about climate change, how does it affect public health? Right when we when we when we talk about disability justice, how do we ensure our sidewalks are AODA compliant? I'm speaking to seniors that live in Ward 14 and they are concerned about snow removal. They are 80 and 90 years old. How are they going to clear the snow? Yeah. yeah right. Could, yeah. You, you have 70 uh, uh, year olds that are living on fixed income but yet their property taxes keep increasing every year. How do we address that? So all of these things are connected and we just want to have fruitful conversations, critical conversations of how we serve our community. That That is it. In Hamilton, the previous councillors, you've been there 30 years since 1988, 20 years, 19 years, and yet we are not seeing a responsive our, our council. And those are the things that we
2: want to we want to change. Uh, just um, to throw something else into the mix. Um, one of the candidates, as Keenan Loomis said this morning, it was something that made me raise an eyebrow. And we've been critical of all the mayoral candidates at various points. And and just to prove that I'm going to be critical of Keenan Loomis right now. But that we've certainly said things about Andrea Horvath. We've definitely said things about Bob Portina. Um and he said that, you know, the city of Hamilton shouldn't be involved in, shouldn't have a, an affordable housing, shouldn't be providing ho- affordable housing, they should just take the money that they spend on that, which is $51 million a year, which actually seemed like quite a small amount of money to me, and just give that to a non-profit and let a non-profit do that instead. Uh, what would your reaction be to that kind of idea?
1: So, I'll give you an example. So that's $51 million. So... From 20, 2011 to 20, 2021, the Hamilton police budget increased by 50 million. I just want you to look at that comparison right there, right? So, to, to answer your question as somebody that used to be an executive director of a non-for-profit, the non-for-profit has is severely under-resourced. So, if you think the non for profit uh, uh, industry can take on uh, addressing a housing crisis here in Hamilton, we have people on a wait list uh, reaching 7,000. You, you, better, you better think, 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 think hard. This is what we're talking about. First, that proposition should not take place. We need to invest in city housing. We need to make sure that uh, the the units, there are are units that haven't been uh, renovated, haven't been refurbished. Those are things that we should be doing. When we talk about providing housing for people, those are the things that we should be doing. Land trust, uh, uh, making sure that public land that the city owns, we build transitional housing, social housing. Rent gear to income housing, market rate housing. Those are things that we should be doing. And so, uh, I would have to, I would have to disagree with uh, candidate Lumis' uh, position. Uh, that definitely, this is something that we don't want to do. Are there non-for-profit organizations that are um, uh, building houses? dwell, for example. Yes. Let's let's support them. Let's see how. Uh, we can fast track some of the developments that they want to do. We should definitely do that. But to say that we have to get rid of city housing, I think that's preposterous.
2: Yeah, and I'm going to be completely honest right here. That was my reaction too. And it just felt... Uh, But it, it struck me as that which what I call conservative and by conservative, it can be center right to right, whatever of the government's bad to everything. So we should try and minimize the things that the government does. And it's like, if you're running for office at any level of government, that's not what I want to be hearing from you. So um, yeah, that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. My personal opinion for what it's worth. Um. So, I mean, there's a couple of weeks left in this election. I mean, do you, th- do you hope that this is the last you're going to see of this kind of vile behavior from the public. Do you think this is, do you, I mean, the most depressing thing you said right at the start, and I didn't comment on it was that you were expecting this, you were almost waiting for this to happen and it happened. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, are you expecting more?
1: Yes. Yes. If, if, uh, if, uh, if I get the opportunity to serve as World 14 counselor, you best believe uh, there'll be more attacks. If uh, Ahona Mehdi, Sabrina, Narendra and others win, you best believe there'll be more attacks. And I, I wanted to share this article with you and I, I can share, I'll send both of you the link after, after we are done. And I just, this, this article, this is written by a teacher, by the way. We don't know which teacher, but it speaks to um, the anti-woke uh, sentiment that we are seeing. And I wanted to read you a, a section of it to show you how dangerous our times are going to be in the next couple of years. It says, and I quote, Unfortunately, nothing within the confines of critical race theory is truth. Racism in both Canada and the U.S. is at all-time lows. I wonder how they measure that, but that's neither here nor there. Nearly every Canadian believes that the best person should get a job or be admitted to a post-secondary education. Critical race practitioners would have you believe that a racialized student who makes bad choices is living in some kind of apartheid regime where racialized people can't vote own property or attend secondary institutions. That is written by a teacher who is teaching our kids. Our kids. So if you think racialized students and even white students are safe in public education, we need to be careful. We need to be careful to, to To have a a teacher say racism is at all-time low. I want to know how they came to that conclusion.
0: Especially when, uh, even in Canada, uh, the the Canadian uh, 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 anti-hate website has been saying that, I can't say about anti-black racism, but definitely uh, uh, anti-Semitism has been on the rise across the country. Uh, So I, I find that, what, if you're an anti-Semite, chances are you're also uh, just a, a, an anti-Black racist, uh, probably a homophobe as well. But that that's neither here nor there. I, I but that that comment got me got me thinking. Um, uh, what you just said clearly, you're not going to convince the the white supremacists to vo- vote for you in this election. But circling back to my previous comment about the politeness of Canadian society and the fact that you know we don't really want to talk about. Racism in public society. What do you say to the moderate, the the one, the the person who, who knows? Well, that's that's not. I, I'm not a racist. I I don't I don't subscribe to white supremacist views. But you know, I I just, I, I just don't want to deal with that uh, topic. You know, like uh, we show you. If we just ignore it, it'll go away. And especially in this election, when it's clear racism and racists exist in this city, in, in Hamilton. They want power in this city. What do you say to that moderate, that that polite Canadian who who wants to, who who thinks if we ignore it, it'll go away? What do you have to say to them on this election?
1: I say let's build a city where we care for each other. You know, that has been uh, our mantra since we announced on May 2nd. We've had conversations with so many people. Some people say, you know, I disagree with some of the things you have in your platform, but I can tell you care about the plight of all Hamiltonians. And I think that's where we want to get to. Um, our, Our identities inform how we look at the world. And that's a good thing. But we have to talk about how they how they overlap, right? Uh, a, a white man who uh, who has lived in poverty, their experience is different from a black man who has lived in poverty. There might be some things that we we can connect on. Maybe you know, uh, for dinner we used to have craft dinner, right? <laughs> that's that's why that's the things that bring us together but then it still looks different because if we both enter a white, a white a predominantly white space the white person might get some preferential treatment and it happens to me as well when i go in a in a in a, in a space with racialized women people might might give me some preferential treatment because i'm a man right so i think those are the conversations that we want to have. And we have to be bold. We have to be vulnerable. We have to know we're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. People think I, I do not make mistakes. I make mistakes. I've been called out on some of the my language that I've used. And it's okay. This is not policing what you can't say or cannot say. It's just making sure that we are in tune with people's experiences and where they are coming from. And it takes a lot, but we have to be committed to build that actual inclusive world that we all uh, want to see. Cause at the end of the day, who is against building a safe world for everybody?
0: Good, good point to have. I, I only have one last question to ask, ask you after going through your, your, your history, your platform, um, your experiences so far, I, regardless of what happens during this election, um, are you going away or are, are, are you, are you going off in, into the sunset or regardless of what happens after the election, what, what's, uh, Coach Odampte's uh, plans for the
1: future? There's, there's an African philosophy that says always stay in the present so that you don't miss what's in front of you. So for now, up until October 24th, it's just focusing on, uh, on this election and uh, doing the things to make sure that we are successful uh, after the polls close uh, at 8 p.m and uh and then we'll we'll take you from there you you have to bring me back onto the show to
2: find out (laughs) a part
0: two episode okay
2: (laughs) well i think we we look forward to doing that and i'm happy to say regardless of what happens in this election we'd love to speak to you again uh as we wish every candidate who comes onto this podcast indeed everybody well with one certainly one exception (laughs) uh we wish Everybody who runs for public office well, uh, we wish you well in the election and all the best with the rest of your campaign for a peaceful and harmonious one. And certainly um, uh, that Hamiltonians are open-minded and accepting enough uh, to get beyond uh, the prejudices that, Certainly people who look like me are, are, are surrounded with as we grow up and that we have to consciously overcome sometimes. Um, thank you so much, uh, Ko- Kojo Damti for joining us and um, and all the very best in the weeks ahead.
1: Thank you very much. And uh, also thank you for um, for doing this podcast. I think there are lots of uh, folks across Hamilton that listen. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those, so please keep on uh Doing this and uh, thank you for your time and effort.
2: Well, thanks so much for that. We thank really you. appreciate it. Thank you.
0: That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns or ideas for future episodes to our email info at 905 We'd love to hear from you. and at naturalmanpodcast.com.